chapters two and eight of aspects of modern oxford by alfred dennis godley this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by chad horner chapter two of undergraduates from aspects of modern oxford by alfred dennis godley in the sad and sodden street to and fro flit the fever-stricken feet of the freshers as they meet come and go hugh whatever the theory of their founders it is at no late period in the history of colleges that we begin to trace the development of the modern undergraduate it was only natural that the gentle natures and studious habits of a select band of learners should undergo some modification as college after college was founded and comparative frivolity would from time to time obtain admission to the sacred precincts the university became the resort of wealth and rank as well as of mere intellect and the gradual influx of commoners still more of gentlemen commoners once for all determined the character of colleges as places of serious and uninterrupted study probably the civil war bringing the court to oxford was a potent factor in relaxation of the older academic discipline deans or sub-wardens of the period doubtless finding some difficulty in adapting their roles to the requirements of undergraduates who might from time to time absent themselves from chapel or lecture in order to raid a parliamentary outpost but perhaps the most instructive picture of the seventeenth-century undergraduate is to be found in the account-book of one wilding or of wadham published by the oxford historical society apparently a reading man and a scholar of his college destined for holy orders the number of his books and he gives a list of them shows him to have been something of a student while repeated entries of large sums paid for wigs on one occasion as much as fourteen shillings more than his battles for the quarter would seem to suggest something of the habits of the gay young sparks alluded to by hearn in the next century on the whole master wilding appears to have been a virtuous and studious young gentleman now and then the natural man asserts himself and he treats his friends to wine or coffee or even makes an excursion to abington four shillings towards the end of his career a gaudy costs two shillings six pennies after which comes the too suggestive entry for a purge one shilling then comes the close outstanding bills are paid to the alarming extent of seven shillings ten pennies a wig which originally costs fourteen shillings is disposed of at a ruinous reduction of six shillings the prudent man does not give it away to his scout and j wilding b a e cole wadham retires to his country personage having first invested sixpence in a sermon evidently a person of methodical habits and punctual payments that had two wigs and everything handsome about him and that probably grumbled quite as much at the ten shillings fee for his tutor as his modern successor does at his eight pounds six shillings and eight pennies but on the whole collegiate and university fees seem to have been small after this description of the value in time of an undergraduate at wadham history is reserved on the subject of the junior members of the university which is the more disappointing as the historic muse is not only garrulous but exceedingly scandalous in recounting the virtues and the aberrations of eighteenth-century dons here and there we find an occasional notice of the ways of undergraduates here a private memoir there an academic brochure we learn incidentally how mr john pottinger of new college made themes in prose and verse 
and eventually came to a tolerable proficiency in colloquial lamb a mr meadowcourt of merton got into serious trouble was prevented in fact from taking his degree for drinking the health of his majesty king george i and how mr carty of university college suffered a similar fate for profaning with mad intemperance sad day on which he ought with sober cheerfulness to have commemorated the restoration of king charles the second this was in seventeen sixteen how mr shenstone found at pembroke college both sober men who amused themselves in the evening with reading greek and drinking water and also a set of jolly springingly young fellows who drank ale smoked tobacco and even hummed at how lord shelburne had a narrow-minded chitter from which we may gather that university life was not so very different from what it is now our forefathers were more exercised about politics for which we have now substituted a perhaps extreme devotion to athletics but for the most part the undergraduate is not prominent in history seeming in fact to be regarded as the least important element in the university on the other hand his successor of the present century the era of the examination schools occupies so prominent a place in the eyes of the public that it is difficult to speak of him lest haply one should be accused of frivolity or want of reverence for the raison d'etre of all academic institutions his own reason of existence is not so obvious it was as we have said tolerably clear that the medieval student came to oxford primarily for the love of learning something at any rate but the student is one of the most labyrinthine parts of a complex civilization of the hundreds of boys who are shot on the g w r platform every october to be caressed or kicked by alma mater and returned to due time full or empty it is only an insignificant minority who come up with the ostensible purpose of learning their reasons are as many as the colours of their portmanteaus brown has come up because he is in the sixth form at school and was sent in for a scholarship by a headmaster desiring an advertisement jodes because it is thought by his friends that he might get into the varsity eleven robinson because his father considers a university career to be a stepping stone to the professions which it fortunately is not as yet mr sangosier is going to st boniface because his father was there and mr j sangosier smith well probably because his father wasn't altogether they are a motley crew and it is not the least achievement of the university that she does not somehow or other manage to impress a certain stamp on so many different kinds of metal but in this she is only an instrument in the hands of modern civilization which is always extinguishing eccentricities and abnormal types and even oxford while her sons are getting rid of those interesting individualities which used to distinguish them from each other is fast losing many of the particularities which used to distinguish it from the rest of the world it is an age of monotony even the freshman that delightful creation of a bygone age is not by any means what he was he is still young but no longer innocent the bloom is off his credulity you cannot play practical jokes upon him any more now and then a young man will present himself to his college authorities in a gown of which the superfluous dimensions and unusual embroidery betray the handiwork of the provincial tailor two or three neophytes may annually be seen perambulating the high in academic dress with a walking stick but these are only survivals senior men have no longer their old privileges of ragging the freshmen in ancient times as we are informed 
by the historian of Merton College, freshmen were expected to sit on a form and make jokes for the amusement of their companions, on pain of being tucked or sacrificed by the thumbnail applied under the lip. The first Earl of Shaftesbury describes in detail this rather barbarous jest as practised at Exeter College, and predates how, aided by sub-freshmen of unusual size and strength, he himself headed a mutiny which led to the eventual abolition of tucking. Again, on Candlemas Day, every freshman received notice to prepare a speech to be delivered on the following Shrove Tuesday, when they were compelled to declaim in undress from a form placed on the high table, being rewarded with caudle if the performances were good, with caudle and salted drink if it were indifferent, and with salted drink and tucks if it were dull. This is what American students called hazing, and the German folks is subjected to similar ordeals. But we have changed all that, and treat the fresher now with the respect he deserves. Possibly the undergraduate of fiction and the drama may have been once a living reality, but he is so no more, and modern realistic novelists will have to imagine some hero less crude in colouring and more in harmony with the compromises and neutral tints of the latter half of the nineteenth century. The young Oxonian, or Cantab, of fifty years back, as represented by contemporary or nearly contemporary writers, was always in extremes. When he was good, he was very, very good, but when he was bad, he was horrid, like the little girl of the poet. He was either an inimitable example of improbable virtue or abnormally vicious. The bad undergraduate defied the Ten Commandments, all and severally, with the ease and success of the villain of transpatine melodrama. Nothing came amiss to him, from forgery to screwing up the dean, and letting it be understood that someone else had done it. But retribution generally came at last, and this compound of manifold vices was detected and rusticated, and it was understood that from rustication to the gallows was the shortest and earliest of transitions. The virtuous undergraduate wore trousers too short for him and supported his relations. He did not generally join any athletic pastimes, but when the stroke of his college ate, fainted from excitement just before the start, the neglected Tsar threw off his threadbare coat, leapt into the vacant seat, and won his crew, at once the proud possession of head of the river, by the simple process of making four bumps on the same night, explaining afterwards that he had practised in a dinghy, and saw how it could be done. Then there was the admirable Christian of university life, perhaps the commonest type among these heroes of romance. He was invariably at Christ Church, and very often had a background of more or less tragic memories from the faraway days of his Genesorazus. Nevertheless, he unbent so far as to do nothing much during the first three and a half years of his academic career, except to go to a good many wine parties, where he always wore his cap and gown, especially in female fiction, and drank more than anyone else. Then, when every one supposed he must be ploughed in grates, he sat up so late for a week, and wore so many wet tiles, that eventually he was announced at the insignia amid the plaudits of his friends and the approving smiles of the vice-chancellor as the winner of a double first, several university prizes, and a fellowship, after which it was only right and natural that the recipient of so many coveted distinctions should lead the heroine of the piece to the altar. 
possibly the oxford of a bygone generation may have furnished models for these brilliantly coloured pictures or as is more probable they were created by the license of fiction at any rate the man of modern times is a far less picturesque person unpicturesque even to the verge of becoming ordinary he is seldom eccentric or autre in externals his manners are such as he has learnt at school and his customs those of the world he lives in his dress would excite no remark in piccadilly the gorgeous waistcoats of leech's pencils and calverley's crurum non inarabile tegmin belong to ancient history he is on the whole inexpensive in his habits as it is now the fashion to be poor he no longer orders in a tailor's whole shop and his clubs are generally managed with economy and prudence if however the undergraduate occasionally displays the virtues of maturer age there are certain indications that he is less of a grown-up person than he was in the brave days of old it takes him a long time to forget his school days only exceptionally untrammelled spirits regard independent reading as more important than the ministrations of their tutor past men have been known to speak of their work for the schools as lessons and in their first term to call the head of the college the headmaster naturally too school life has imbued both pass and class men with an enduring passion for games probably rather a good thing in itself although inadequate as the be-all and end-all of youthful energy even those who do not play them can talk about them cricket and football are always as prolific a topic as the weather and nearly as interesting as many a perfunctory fresher's breakfast can testify the undergraduate in these as in other things is like the young of his species with whom after all he has a good deal in common take in short the ordinary provincial young man add a dash of the schoolboy and just a touch of the birch and you have what mr hardy calls the normal undergraduate it used to be the custom to draw a very hard and fast line of demarcation between the rowing and the reading man rowing being taken as a type of athletics in general and indeed being the only form of physical exercise which possessed a regular organization rumour has it that a certain chitter now defunct laid so much emphasis on this distinction that men whose circumstances permitted them to be idle were regarded with disfavour if they took to reading he docked fresh men as reading or non-reading men and would not allow either kind to stray into the domain of the other however the general fusion of classes and professions has levelled these boundaries now the rowing man reads to a certain extent and the reading man has very often pretensions to athletic eminence it is in fact highly desirable that he should now that a varsity blue proves an assistant master in a school with at least as good a salary as does a brilliant degree yet although the great majority of men belong to the intermediate class of those who take life as they find it and make no one occupation the object of their exclusive devotion it is hardly necessary to say that there are still extremes the brutal athlete at one end of the line and the bookish recluse often though wrongly identified with the smug at the other the existence of the first is encouraged by the modern tendency to professionalism in athletics mere amateurs who regard games as an amusement can never hope to do anything a thing must be taken seriously every schoolboy who wishes to obtain renown in the columns of sporting papers has his record and comes up to oxford with the express intention of cutting somebody else's 
and the athletic authorities of the university know all about jones's bowling average at eton or brown's form as three-quarter back at rugby long before these distinguished persons have matriculated nor is it only cricket football and rowing that are the objects of our worship even so staid and contemplative a pastime as golf ranks among athletics and perhaps in time the authorities will be asked to give a blue for crockett these things being so on the whole perhaps we should be grateful to the eminent athlete for the comparative affability of his demeanour so long as he is not seriously contradicted he is great but he is generally merciful thews and sinews have probably as much admiration as is good for them and nearly as much as they want on the other hand the practice of reading has undoubtedly been popularized it is no longer a clique of students who seek honours public opinion in and outside the university demands of an increasing majority of men that they should appear to be improving their minds the past men pure and simple diminishes in numbers annually no doubt in time he will be a kind of pariah colleges compete with each other in the schools evening papers prove by statistics the immorality of an establishment where a scholar who obtains a second is allowed to remain in residence the stress and strain of the system would be hardly bearable were it not decidedly less difficult to obtain a class in honours than it used to be not perhaps a first or even a second but certainly the lower grades are easier of attainment then the variety of subjects is such as to appeal to everyone history law theology natural science in all its branches mathematics all invite the ambitious student whose relations wish him to take honours and will be quite satisfied with the fourth and eminent specialists compete for the privilege of instructing him the tutor who complained to the undergraduate that he had sixteen pupils was met by the just retort that the undergraduate had sixteen tutors the relation of the university to the undergraduate is twofold it is kept as a witty scholar of dublin is fabled to have inscribed over the door of his dean for his amusement and instruction and if the latter is frequently formal it is still more often and in a great variety of ways informal and not communicated through his tutor not to mention the many college literary societies every college has one at least and they are all ready to discuss any topic from the origin of evil to bimetallism there are now in the university various learned societies modelled and sometimes called after the german seminar which are intended to supplement the deficiencies of tuition and to keep the serious student abreast of the newest erudition which has been made in germany or anywhere else on the continent then there is the union as a school of eloquence for the political aspirant or the privileged business of his college debating society where a vote of censure on ministers is sometimes emphasized by their rejection into the quadrangle may qualify him for the possible methods of a future house of commons chapter eight the university as a place of learned leisure i had been used for thirty years to no interruption save the tinkling of the dinner bell and the chapel bell essays of bysimus knox standing with one foot in the middle ages and the other in a luxuriously furnished common room such is oxford life as summarized by a german visitor who appears to have been a good deal perplexed like the outer world in general by the academic mixture of things ancient and modern and a host who wore a cap and gown over his evening dress certainly the university is a strange melody of contraries it never seems to be quite clear whether we are going too fast or too slow 
we are always reforming something yet are continually reproached with irrational conservatism change and permanence are side by side change that looks as if it could defy time the form remains the function never dies and yet all the while the change is rapid and complete men go down and are as if they had never been as is the race of leaves so is that of undergraduates and so transiently are they linked with the enduring existence of their university that except in the case of the minority who have done great deeds on the river or the cricket field they either pass immediately out of recollection or else remain only as a dim and distant tradition of bygone ages an undergraduate's memory is very short for him the history of the university is comprised in the three or four years of his own residence those who came before him and those who come after are alike separated from him by a great gulf his predecessors are infinitely older and his successors immeasurably younger it makes no difference what his relations to them may be in afterlife jones who went down in seventy four may be an undistinguished country parson or a struggling junior at the bar and brown who came up in seventy five may be a bishop or a q c with his fortune made but all the same brown will always regard jones as belonging to the almost forgotten heroic period before he came up whatever may be his respect for brown's undoubted talents must always to a certain extent feel the paternal interest of a veteran watching the development of youthful promise so complete is the severance of successive generations that it is hard to see how undergraduate custom and tradition and college characteristics should have a chance of surviving yet somehow they do manage to preserve an unbroken continuity once give a college a good or a bad name and that name will stick to it plant a custom and it will flourish defying statutes and royal commissions conservatism is in the air even convinced radicals in politics cannot escape from it and are sometimes tories in matters relating to their university they will change the constitution of a realm but will not stand any tampering with the hebdomadal council whatever be the reason whether it be environmental or hereditary universities go on doing the same thing only in different ways they retain that indefinable habit of thought which seems to cling to old grey walls and the shades of ancient elms which the public calls academic when it is only contemptuous explaining the word as meaning provincial with a difference when it is angry there is the same kind of unalterableness about the few favoured individuals to whom the spirit of the age has allowed a secure and permanent residence at oxford a happy class which is now almost limited to heads of houses and college servants you scarcely ever see a scout bearing the outward and visible signs of advancing years age cannot wither them nor it should be added can custom steal their infinite variety of misserving their masters perhaps it is they who are the repositories of tradition and even fellows contrive to retain some of the characteristics of their more permanent predecessors whom we have now learnt to regard as abuses hard-worked though they are and precarious of tenure they are nevertheless in some sort imbued with that flavour of humanity and dulce far nante which continues to haunt even a common room where fellows drink nothing but water and only dine together once a fortnight for times are sadly changed now and the fellowship is far from being the haven of rest which it once was and still is to a few look at that old fellow pacing with slow and leisurely steps beneath magdalen or christ church elms regard him well for he is an interesting survival and presently he and his kind will be nothing but a memory 
and probably the progressive spirit of democracy will hold him up as an awful example he is a link with a practically extinct period when he was first elected versus et perpetus socius of his college without examination the university of oxford was in a parlous state reform was as yet unheard of or only limbed dimly in the distance noblemen still wore tufts think how that would scandalize us now and gentlemen commoners came up with the declared and recognized intention of living as gentlemen commoners should except for the invention of the examination system and the demon of the schools was satisfied with only a mouthful of victims then oxford of the forties had not substantially changed since the last century since the days when mr gibbon was a gentleman commoner at magdalen college where his excuses for cutting his lectures in the morning were received with a smile and where he found himself horribly bored by the private scandal and dull and deep potations of the seniors with whom he was invited to associate in the evening not much has changed since those days lectures were still disciplinary exercises rather than vehicles of instruction and if his personal port was rarely if ever interrupted in its circulation by the man he comes at nine many holders of fellowships scarcely came near the university those who did reside were often not much concerned about the instruction of undergraduates and still less with intercollegiate competition perhaps it was not their life's work a fellowship might be only a stepping stone to a college living when a sufficiently fat beneficence should fall vacant and allow the dean or sub-warden to marry and retire into the country and even the don who meant to be a don all his days put study or learned leisure first and instruction second the world not yet believing in the spin-feeding of youth very often of course they did nothing after all when you pay a man for exercising no particular functions you can scarcely blame him for strictly fulfilling the conditions under which he was elected but what do they do inquired quite recently a tourist pointing to the fellow's buildings of a certain college do replied the oxford cicerone do why them's fellows but if there was inactivity it is only the more credit to the minority who really did interest themselves in the work of their pupils not that the relation to authority undergraduates was ever then what it has since become whether the change be for the better or the worse few attempts were made to bridge the chasm which must always yawn between the life of teacher and taught perhaps now the attempt is a little over-emphasized certainly things are done which would have made each particular hair to stand on end on the head of a fellow of the old school in his solemn and formal way he winked at rowing considering it rather fast and on the whole an inevitable sign of declining morals he wore his cap and gown with the anachronistic persistency of mr tull in the dawn and sighed over the levity of a colleague who occasionally sported a blue coat with brass buttons had you told him that within the present century college tutors would be seen in flannels and that a head of a school could actually row on the river in an eight albeit the ship in question be manned by comparatively grave and reverend seniors wyclip the ancient mariners he would probably have replied in the formula ascribed to dr dunson let me tell you sir that in order to be what you consider humorous it is not necessary that you should also be indecent but there is a lower depth still and grave indignitaries of the university have been seen riding bicycles all this would have been quite unintelligible to the youthful days of our friend whom we see leisurely approaching the evening of his days in the midst of a generation that does not know him indeed 
but which is certainly benefited by his presence and the picture of academic repose which he displays to his much troubled and harassed successors a peaceful cloistered life soon to leave nothing behind it but a brass in the college chapel a few common room anecdotes and a vague tradition perhaps of a ghost on the old familiar staircase far different is the lot of the fellow findy sickle by many names men know him whether he be the holder of an official fellowship or a prize fellow who is entitled to his emoluments only for the paltry period of seven years and what emoluments verily the mouth of democracy must water at the thought of the annual division of the spoils which used to take place under the old regime spoils which were worth dividing too in the days when rents were paid without a murmur and colleges had not as yet to allow tenants to hold at half a crown an acre lest the farm should be unlet altogether but now if a price fellow receives his two hundred pounds a year he may consider himself lucky and after that if he is not blessed with this world's goods the grim humours of the last commission at least allowed him the inestimable privilege of marrying on two hundred pounds a year after all it is not every one who receives even that salary for doing nothing the official variety of fellow or the prize fellow who chooses to be a college tutor is a schoolmaster with a difference he has rather longer holidays if he can afford to enjoy them and a considerably shorter purse than the instructors of youth at some great schools he is so far unfortunate in his predecessors that he has inherited the reputation of the fellows of old time everybody else is working the fellow is still a useless drone as a matter of fact the unfortunate man is always doing something working vehemently with a laudable desire to get that into eight weeks which should properly take twelve or taking his recreation violently riding forty miles on a bicycle with a spurt at the finish so as not to miss his five o'clock pupil sitting on interminable committees everything in oxford is managed by a committee partly perhaps because boards are very often screens or sitting upon a disorderly undergraduate on the whole the kicks are many and the halfpence comparatively few he has a long vacation of course but then he is always employed in writing his lectures for next term or compiling a skill edition or a handbook or an abridgment of somebody else's skill edition or handbook in order to keep the pot boiling more especially if he has fallen a victim to matrimony and established himself in the red brick part of oxford it is true that there is the prospect on paper of a pension when he has passed his work but in the present state of college finances that is not exactly a vista of leisured opulence altogether there is not very much repose about him college tutors in these days are expected to work it is on record that a tourist from a manufacturing district on seeing four tutors snatching a brief hour at lawn tennis remarked i suppose there's another shift working inside such are the requirements of the age in the manufacturing districts nor are beer and skittles unadulterated the lot of the undergraduate either whatever the impression that his sisters and cousins may derive from the gaieties of the eights and common for the spirit of the century and the stern and drang of a restless world has got hold of the man too and will not suffer him to live quite so peacefully as the verdant greens and bouncers of old everybody must do something they must be up and doing or else they have a good chance of finding themselves sent down i do not speak of the reading man who naturally finds his vocation in a period of activity but rather of the man who is by nature non-reading and has to sacrifice his natural desires to the pressure of public opinion acting through his tutor perhaps he is made to go in for honours but even if he reads only for a pass the schools are always with him 
he's always being pulled up to see how he is growing or at least he must be serving his college in one way or another if not by winning distinction in the skulls by toiling on the river or the cricket field then he is expected to interest himself in all the movements of the last quarter of the nineteenth century he must belong to several societies he cannot even be properly idle without forming himself into an association for the purpose if he wants to make a practice of picnicking on the sherwell he finds a sherwell lunch club with meetings no doubt a possibly an organ to devote his highly meritorious views an excellent and a healthy life no doubt but yet one is tempted sometimes to fear that the loftier may become extinct and then where are our poets to come from for it is a great thing to be able to loaf well it softens the manners and does not allow them to be fierce and there is no place for it like the streams and gardens of an ancient university if a man does not learn the great art of doing nothing there he will never acquire it anywhere else and it is there and in the summer term that this laudable practice will probably survive when it is unknown even in government offices for there is a season of the year when even the sternest scholar or athlete and the most earnest promoter of movements yields to the genius loci when the summer term is drawing to a close and the may east winds have yielded to the warmth of june and the lilacs and laburnums are blossoming in college gardens when the shouting and the glory and the bonfires of the eights are over and the invasion of commemoration has not yet begun then if ever is the time for doing nothing then the unwilling victim of lectures shakes off his chains and revels in a temporary freedom not unconnected with the fact that his tutor has gone for a picnic to nunham perhaps he has been rowing in his college eight and is entitled to repose on the laurels of six bumps perhaps he is not in the skulls himself and can afford to pity the unfortunates who are and how many are the delightful ways of loafing you may propel the object of your affections if she is up as she very often is at this time in a punt on that most academic stream the sherwell while charles your friend escorts the chaperon in a dinghy some little distance in front you may lie lazily in the sun in worcester or st john's gardens with a novel or a friend or both you may search bagley and powder hill for late bluebells and fancy that you have found high on its heathy ridge the tree known to arnold and Clough or clue or if you are more enterprising you may travel further afield and explore the high beech woods of the chiltern slopes and the bare breezy uplands of the berkshire downs and this perhaps demands more energy than belongs to the truly conscientious loafer well let the idle undergraduate make the most of his time now it is not likely that he will be able to loaf in after life nor for the matter of that will his successors be allowed to take their ease here in oxford even in the summer in those happy days when the university is to be turned into an industrial school and a place for the education no longer of the english gentleman but the british citizen will that day ever come the spirit of the age is determined that it shall but perhaps the spirit of the place may be too much for it yet end of chapters two and eight of aspects of modern oxford by alfred dennis godley